At least 20 times, Jesus calls people to follow him. Each time, someone has to make a choice. Would they or wouldn't they? That choice is before us every day and every moment. We're going to be hearing from Luke chapter 9 today and the excuses people come up with to avoid following Jesus while making it appear that they're willing. It's easy to judge them harshly, but who among us hasn't made our own excuses? That's what we're talking about today. How will you write the end of the story that begins with Jesus inviting you to follow him? Let's hear the story from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62, read by Carol Ottschott. Hello. My name is Carol Ottschacht. I'm a member of First Presbyterian Church. My family and I have been members of First Pres since 1995, and it's been one of the most extraordinary church experiences we've ever had. I am an ordained elder and a deacon, and I serve as uh, one of the co-leaders of the Spring Fellowship trip. And what I love so much about First Presbyterian Church are the people here. Our congregation is just amazing. And we truly have a deep abiding love for each other and provide such tremendous support when each other is in need. That's something I'm very grateful for and that I love about First Presbyterian. And now for the reading. Jesus spent quite a bit of time teaching his disciples and showing them in both word and deed who he was. Suffice it to say that they didn't get it. They had no concept of God becoming flesh and living among them in Jesus. They had no concept of the kingdom of heaven being manifested on earth and his healing and teaching. They would not until after Easter. But Jesus continues to lay a foundation that will guide them as they follow him in the years to come. In today's reading, Jesus seems to be talking about the unsettled life of one who follows him, but it's really about so much more than that. Listen for the word of God for us today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter nine, verses 51 through 62. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. 
But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord is still speaking. Thanks be to God. I know I've told you this before. My goal in choosing what university I would go to, my goal was to be as far away from my parents from home as I could get. I wanted to go somewhere where I wasn't my brother's little sister or my parents' daughter. So since I lived in Salt Lake City, I thought, how far away can you get? Well, how about Boston, Massachusetts? It's about as far away as you could get from Salt Lake and still be in the continental United States. So I went to Boston University, only to find that the dean of the chapel there, his dad, married my parents. It's a small world. Sometimes that's kind of cool. Like when I went to Pakistan and ran into someone I knew there 25 years earlier in college, in Pakistan of all places. But having a small world is not always a good thing. But there are days we get, get so myopic in our vision that we don't see what's going on around us. We get, get caught up in, in family stuff and work stuff and personal stuff. And before we know it, our world has become so small. We weren't even aware it was happening. We lose sight of everything else. Have you ever woken up and wondered what happened? How did my world get so small? What about the dreams you had of changing the world? When you were young, or maybe you're still young and you have those dreams right now. If you happen to be a little older in years, what happened? Did you tell yourself that, well, when, when the kids are out of the house, then I'll. Or the next thing you know, it's like, well, when I retire, well, then I'll, I'll do that other stuff that I've always wanted to do. Before you know it, it just never happens. I get it. We've all got responsibilities. We've all got fears. We can't just drop everything we're in the middle of and run off after some itinerant preacher from Galilee with no place to lay his head. I mean, it's just irresponsible. And we have responsibilities, we have people to care for, we have people counting on us. Kind of a small world, isn't it? Because I'll bet you, you would also hesitate to just drop everything and follow that strange man from Galilee. So, it's actually kind of amazing that you all keep showing up for church. Want to know why it's amazing? Because never once do I recall Jesus telling his disciples, hey, why don't you just stay home, sleep in, have breakfast in bed, you know, just be comfortable, hang out with your family, hang out with your friends, you know, don't, don't take risks, you know, just, you know, you just be comfortable. I'll take care of everything. Never once do I recall Jesus 
telling his disciples that. Instead, he says things like, let the dead bury their own dead. No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And let's not forget what he said earlier in Luke chapter 9. He said, if any want to become my followers, take up your cross daily and follow me. That's what Jesus says. And you keep showing up to hear it. I think it's because somewhere along the way, you caught a glimpse of a more expansive world than the one you've been living in. You got a glimpse of a grace-filled, healthy world. And it reminded you of what could be, of what can be. Maybe it's because Jesus offers you something more. Something that gets you to pick your head up out of your own little, little world that you live in and see the vastness of what's out there. See beyond the confines of that tiny space you've been living in. But you keep coming back. Something keeps pulling you back. But you aren't all embracing that vision that you've been given. And I get that too. You know, I think the challenge for us is how do we get our heads up out of those tiny worlds we live in? Because those worlds we live in make us feel safe. They're comfortable. They meet our needs to belong, to be needed, to feel responsible. And yet, there's something that we're dissatisfied with. There's something that's missing from that that we long for. And so, we long to hear Jesus say, follow me. But then we get scared. And we get uncomfortable. And we tend to stay right where we are. Luke tells a story of three people who would follow Jesus, except they weren't so sure they wanted to leave their small worlds behind. The first says, sure, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. You know, it's one of those bravado things you say without really thinking about what you're saying. So Jesus tells him, you realize I don't have a home. You realize I don't go to my own bed at the end of each day and lay down on this nice, comfortable mattress and this nice, fluffy down pillow. I never know where I'm sleeping that night or the next night or the next or where my food is going to come from. And I could just see that first person saying, it's like, oh. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> We like stability, don't we? For years, I thought that some of my best gifts for ministry were as a, an interim pastor, a, a transitional pastor helping churches for the short term between their longer term or settled pastors, as we sometimes call them. And the life of an interim pastor is itinerant, kind of like Jesus. Literally, every one to two years, you are looking for your next job. And you are moving to a new location, a new city, a new state. 
But you see, I was single at the time, and I was afraid to let go of my settled positions to risk having no job at the end of an interim, which meant no checks coming in, and no place to call home, no place to go to in between jobs. Honestly, it wasn't until Linda and I got together that I felt confident enough to pursue transitional ministry. But that's because I had this other person there to give me that sense of stability, to make sure I had a home and to bring in a paycheck. My need for stability and certainty and a predictable income was too big for me to just let it all go and follow wherever Jesus would lead me. The next person Jesus finds, and Jesus says to him, follow me. And he says, sure, but let me go bury my dad first. Well, who can argue with that? Well, scholars actually suspect his dad wasn't dead yet. He was probably doing just fine, probably had a nice long life left in front of him. Sure, I'll follow you, Jesus, when the kids are out of high school or out of college or when my parents have passed or when I retire, when I've accomplished this or that. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. You, go, proclaim the kingdom of God. The third person approached Jesus and said, I'll follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my, my family and friends. And again, how can you argue with that? He expects someone just to disappear and their family and friends not to know where they are. But Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Maybe Jesus knew that going home to say goodbye would likely result in him not saying goodbye. The pull of home would be just too strong. Now here's the thing. We don't actually know how these three people responded. Luke doesn't tell us. What we do know is, is Jesus offered them an invitation to participate in the mission of God, to be part of something so much bigger than themselves. He offered them an opportunity to expand their world and to really make a difference. And Luke doesn't tell us how they responded to that invitation. I wonder if that was intentional. Perhaps Luke is hoping that you will put yourself in the story and you will write the ending. That requires you to ask, how would you respond if Jesus were to say to you, follow me? What is he asking you to leave behind to be a part of the mission of God? It may not be family. You may not be one of those that has to leave their family behind or their job behind. It may actually be so much more difficult than that. Let's look at the first part of the scripture reading. Jesus goes through Samaria, which in itself is unusual because Jews traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem would often in Galilee cross the Jordan River to the east side of the river, travel down the east side of the Jordan down to 
near Jerusalem and then cross back over and go into Jerusalem. The west side between Galilee and Jerusalem was Samaria. And there was a long-standing hostility between Jews and Samaritans. The Jews especially looked at the Samaritans as impure, as unclean, as not true Jews, and they forbid any contact between the two people. So no surprise if Jesus chooses to go to Samaria that he was not well received. So how do his disciples respond in that moment? Well, they wanted to call down fire from heaven and just consume the town. Now first, I'm amazed they thought they had that much power. Knowing the radical extremes on either end of our Christian faith today, I don't want anyone to have that much power. But the second thing is, is Jesus actually rebukes them. And why? Well, it's not just because it wasn't a nice thing to do. Jesus was going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of the Jewish world. and He was going there to die, and to expand from there the boundaries of God's grace to include everyone, including the Samaritans. Jesus died even for the person whom you think least deserves it. How dare we try to call down fire on someone Christ died for? There is no place in God's kingdom for anger or vengeance or hatred. James and John, the two disciples who wanted to call down the fire from heaven, had to leave that behind if they were going to follow Jesus. They had to leave it behind if they were going to go into this new expanding world that he was asking them to follow him into. Not long ago, I did a funeral, and as we were standing by the graveside, uh, one of the women who was present for the service talked about how hurt she had been by the, the deceased one at one point in their relationship. And then she said, I realized it was easier to move ahead if I forgave her. So I did. Think about that. It's easier to move ahead if I forgive her. You can't move forward if you're constantly looking back at all the hurt and all the anger and all the pain. She picked up her cross that day and forgave her. And they actually became good friends again. They restored their relationship but she had to let go to go forward. Jesus holds up a vision of the kingdom of God and invites those who would follow him to enter into that kingdom by leaving their past behind. It required leaving behind the right to judge others and instead taking the opportunity to get to know them. It required forgiving those who hurt you it required letting go of anger. It required standing up against injustice instead of turning a blind eye. Blind eyes lead to small worlds. Open eyes expands them. It required going, going into that kingdom that we were invited into. It required 
moving beyond old boundaries, you know, the lines that say who's in and who's out, and visiting those who are on the outside, the, the prisoners, the outcasts, the lepers, the rejected. It required showing mercy and companion, uh, compassion to someone other than your own tiny little circle of family and friends. It required feeding those who were hungry, whether you thought they deserved it or not. It involved working to undo systems that led to hunger and poverty. And it involved sharing in both word and deed the love of God. To follow Jesus is to know that we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves, so much bigger than our nuclear families and our tight communities, so much bigger than our wants and our needs and our desires and our fears. Jesus invites us to, to catch that vision and expand our horizons until we see the world as God sees it, as holy, as sacred, as a world worthy of compassion and mercy, forgiveness and abundance. And then he invites us to keep that vision in front of us and let it be our guide as we follow him. You can't do that if you keep looking back. You can't move forward into God's expansive world of grace and abundance if you keep holding on to those things that make your world small. So put yourself in the story. How will you respond? When Jesus says, follow me, what will you say? You keep coming back. So I assume there's a part of you that wants to reach for that vision and, and wants to live more expansively. But be truthful. How would you respond? How badly do you want to be a part of God's expansive world? The reality is that some of us don't want it bad enough. Because let's be honest, anger feels good. Unforgiveness can feel justified. Our fear can feel protective. And we're pretty good at nurturing our own hurts. And really good at saying, not my problem, to issues facing other people. And yet all of those limit us. They make our world small. They stop us from not only sharing, but from enjoying the abundance that God gives us. And they sure don't draw others into God's expansive world. So be honest. Be honest with yourself. Are you ready to let go of those things that keep your world small? And if you are, then what? How do you do that? Well, think back to the story. Jesus presents this offer to follow him by holding out this global vision. Follow me and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's like all-encompassing. That's big. It's kind of hard to wrap our minds around sometimes. But it's lived locally. 
one decision at a time, one moment at a time, one encounter at a time. Which means every time you find yourself in a challenging situation, every time you're angry, you're afraid, you're hurt, you're faced with an injustice, you're faced with a need, every time you get to write the ending of the story all over again. Every time Jesus is calling you to follow and you get to decide how you're going to respond. Will you let go of your anger? Will you let go of your fear? Will you stop feeding your hurt? Will you step out of your comfort zone? Will you dig into your resources to share? Will you get to know someone that you used to keep at arm's distance? Will you set a table and invite those who never get invited? Every moment is a new chance to write your own ending to the story. It's really a choice about what kind of a world you want to live in. A world that's shrinking or a world that's expanding. A world that's limited or a world of abundance. A world that leads to death or a world that leads to life for all. The choice is yours and only yours. So what's holding you back? Amen. Thanks for listening. You can access all of our previous episodes on Anchor or your favorite source for podcasts. Find out more about us at fpclincoln.org or join us on Facebook.